All right, everyone. How you doing? Um, kicking off 2022 for the Dodgeball Podcast International Series, taking a trip up north. And here with me, I have... Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, Sergio. I am Lisa Mora. I play for Team Canada's women's dodgeball team. I've represented Canada for three years in a row now. Um, and yeah, before that, I was playing for the Lakeshore Hawks, which is a collegiate team at Humber College here in Toronto. And my club team, I play for Reckless. I love the name of that team. That is <laughs> epic. We'll definitely get into why why that team uh, name just strikes me. But um, before we go into your story, let's get some preliminaries out of the way. Uh, what's the jersey number you wear and why? So my jersey number, I guess, has always been one. And I don't know, I don't really have a super exciting story to go with it. I just know when I started at Humber, so that's kind of, again, how I was introduced to dodgeball as a whole was I played in college. And their jerseys for their collegiate team were based on sizing. So I was the smallest on the team, which <laughs> means that the smallest jersey was actually number one. Um, and that's just kind of how I got my number. And then in the greater dodgeball community within Toronto, once I kind of advanced towards that, I just kind of always stuck with it. I started with one, so why not take it far with me? <laughs> just by that jersey number alone, uh, I could see that you are already one of my favorite guests. That's uh... <laughs> It's a number I wear, but for a different reason entirely. Um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about your uh, dodgeball beginnings. Like, when was your first? You, you say you started at uh, Humbert. Is that did I hear that right? Yeah. So Humbert College, which is a college in Toronto, I guess. I didn't really have any intention of going far with dodgeball when I joined Humber. It was just kind of something to keep me active and just a little bit distracted from my studies because I just needed that. I grew, I growed up playing sports throughout my entire life. And when I got to Humber, I kind of stopped that to focus on my school. But that obviously didn't turn out what I hoped it was <laughs> going to be. So I needed something active to keep me going. And that's sort of how I kind of fell into dodgeball. Um, had no idea it was as big as it was it was as getting as big as it is now um, I just kind of stepped foot in and the rest is history it just kind of took off for me so how was how was your first session like over there in Humber it was cool so I mean I guess when I first started the coach of the Lakeshore Hawks which is Humber's collegiate dodgeball team was Victor Gravett and at the time he was also the coach of Team Canada so I kind of fell into his lap I guess at the perfect time I would say um, he kind of mentored me as a Humber Hawk for three years I played with them for three years and within those three years I grew immensely not even just as a dodgeball player but as an athlete and I don't know growing up you know I played my fair share of sports and I was kind of at an age where I couldn't really go far with those sports, you know, I hadn't, I was getting a little bit older and I just wanted to keep active and dodgeball was kind of there for me. It fell into my lap at the perfect time as well. And when I saw that even at age 21, which is the time that I guess I went to Humber and started playing dodgeball, when I saw that even at 21, I could still go as far as like the world championships where I at least had the potential to make it that far. It was just 
like non-negotiable for me. I was like, I'm in this till the end. Like, I want to see how far I can get. It was kind of like a second chance for me because like I said, I'd grown up playing competitive soccer and I danced competitively for a lot of years, but just because I had so many different priorities in life at the time, I couldn't necessarily pursue those and go as far as I wanted to go with them. So dodgeball, yeah, it was like giving me a second life at kind of taking sport and my athletic development as a whole, just to a completely different level. So I think when I started at Humber, um, I mean, again, I had the expectation as anyone would when they first hear that there is an, a competitive dodgeball team, you know, you join or you go and you play for shitballs. That just kind of is the mentality when you think of dodgeball these days, especially as a childhood game and as a college game. So that was my expectations going into it. I didn't know how serious it was until I got really into it. And that just kind of sparked my interest even more. Um, so it was definitely tough for me to kind of see dodgeball in that way. Cause again, like I grew up playing it as a child and yeah, it was all for fun. It was all shit. Like I said, so I think adapting to the whole, it being a competitive sport and it can go as far as it, as it has and as it will, um, really allowed me to kind of stick through it and kind of push myself as an athlete through the sport as well. So, Yeah. <laughs> so the potential to grow within the sport is what kept you coming back other than just the competitive environment you were in yeah for sure and just kind of like having that second go at being successful and going far within a sport well safe to assume I mean you've you definitely are successful on that end um so let's start after uh Humber um you say your competitive team uh is uh reckless yeah, so I didn't join, or I guess Reckless wasn't really even a thing after I let hum after I left Humber. Sorry, um, when I graduated from Humber, it was I was kind of just thrown into the greater, I guess, competitive Toronto dodgeball community. I was lucky enough to have met a lot of people within the community as I played at Humber, just through connections, and and Victor did help a lot with that as well, which I'm very grateful for. So heading into that bigger community, um, I knew a few people and. I had familiar faces to kind of help guide me. And that's just, just kind of where I went. I, I played, I think my first club team that I actually went to tryouts with, what were we called? Oh my gosh. I, I can't believe I can't remember our name. I think we were called, you can't sit with us. That's what we were called. Uh, I know. I don't know how I forgot an iconic name like that, but I mean, that was our team name. And that was the first team I actually went to tryouts with um, that same year. I didn't make the team, but I did make team Maple Leaf, which at the time was our alternate team just under team Canada, kind of like the Marlies of the Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I played through my fair share of teams here in, Toronto and I just recently I guess in the last few years I've only I've only played with Reckless at one tryout thus far so we're kind of a fairly new established team or brand as I like to call us <laughs> but hopefully many more tournaments and many more wins for us under our belt for sure. Yeah definitely pulling for you on that end um, so who came up with the if you want to call it that a brand <laughs> uh, name reckless yeah so I think as a team we really wanted wanted to establish a very strong and female dominated presence in the dodgeball community 
And that's just kind of what the whole brand, I guess, represent represents as a team. And we, I think, even coming up with the name too, you know, a lot of top teams, even in the world or within different sports, there are many perceptions about that team, especially other teams that play against them. And Reckless, you know, coming in to a very strong, very talented and very high skilled dodgeball community already coming in as a very group, big group of dominant women. You know, there are going to be perceptions about us. There are going to be things that are said about us. And a lot of what was said about us, or I guess the energy that we were feeling was that we were a very intimidated and very dominating and very reckless team. And I think not to say that we wanted to represent that in its negative entirety, but we wanted to kind of take that and say, you know what, like, yeah, we are reckless when we play, but that doesn't come from, that doesn't come from the narrative of us being cocky or confident. It just simply comes from us being passionate and us being a very close knit, strong, dominant group of women who want to win. Because I think in sport and in any sport, really, it's very important to have those competitive mindsets and have people, not even players, but just even on your team who want it so bad. And like, that's the team that I look out for. That's the team that I want to play for. And so we kind of wanted to take reckless and shift it towards being something about how we play and we're reckless when we play, we're reckless off the court and shift it more to mean something, you know, like more meaningful, you know, it's a group of strong dominated dominant women who truly love the sport and more than anything, truly want to win, not just on their own and as individual players, but because we love each other as a team. And I think that's really what encompasses us and, and yeah, I'm going off on a tangent now. I do apologize. I hope That's that answers the question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tangent away. I mean, this is your story. This is your truth. This is your perspective. This is what we're trying to capture here. Yeah. Um, if anyone looks at that negatively, I mean, that's on them. You know, mm-hmm. the only thing that should matter is your immediate family, your close friends, and the women on Reckless who know you for you and not so much the narratives that other people shape. Exactly. Totally. So, yeah, let's just let's clean up let's clean up that mindset. Um, I actually have something similar that uh, I guess I'll share with you off offline. But um, uh, yeah, so you, the brand Reckless formed, put together. Uh, what year was this put together? This was so we played our first tournament, or I guess provincial um, and big tournament in twenty. 20- 19 um, that was the first year we kind of started playing together um which was of course the last year that we had played together as well on <laughs> a national level i guess uh so okay let's kind of go back in time when was what what year was the first year you represented uh canada and how was that experience like that was 2017 now it's a little bit tricky because i did represent Canada in 2017 in Toronto but that same year I was actually selected to be on the alternate team so I was only called up about three days before Worlds to actually play with the Canadian women's team so I didn't necessarily get to train with them all season I just trained as a Maple Leaf and with my Maple Leaf team but yeah it was it was a very exciting year three days before the tournament um, Victor Gravilli and Bethel Lascano at the time pulled me aside and they were like listen girl like 
we want we want you to play worlds and so that I that I would say would be my first year where I represented worlds um but in terms of actually my first year training with Canada and with the Canadian women all season it would have been 2018 when we went to LA and how was that experience like your first like actual like I'm on this team, not an alternate. I'm training for six months leading up to it, give or take. How was, was that like? Yeah, no, it was pretty, it was awesome. Like probably, I think when I look back at my world championships experience, that was the LA 20, 2018, sorry, was definitely a huge year. Um, it's a definitely a standout year for sure. I think being able to actually fully prepare myself with the team was amazing like that was probably one of the best experiences to date that I had was my first year training with Canada um and yeah going to LA was amazing my first world experience was indescribable it was so much fun and that kind of just like it took off from there for me uh any any personal highlights from uh LA that you want to mention you know I trained whether on or, whether, whether on or off the court um, I think off the court, just meeting everyone, you know, you see all these people on like social media throughout the year and strong supporters and, and even fans of the sport and so many different players and to actually put a face to their name and, and see people who share the same passion as a dodge of dodgeball with you around the world is so incredible. It's like, it's such a lovely community to be a part of, especially in the stages that we are now being able to kind of pioneer the sport in a way is, is really cool that we can all do it together and um, make friends out of it too. So I would say off court, definitely meeting everyone, especially within my first year. And I would say on court, you know, one thing that really stuck out to me, I, one of my biggest weaknesses on court and anyone could attest to this is catching. Okay. (laughs) I can't catch in a lot of cases. And I don't know what I ate in 2018, but I was a catching machine. So I definitely think on court, that was probably one of my biggest highlights um, was being able to catch as much as I did. Um, Probably still haven't caught as many balls since then. But yeah, I would definitely say that is one of my, (laughs) a little sad. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to say this. Uh, I kind of knew that about the not catching part. And, I, and um, oh no, I wasn't going to put you on blast. I let you step on that landmine on your own. Um, that's one. Uh, two. You say you haven't caught that well since LA. Okay, Mister. I think you're now putting words into my mouth. I don't. No, think I'm that's... asking. I'm asking. I'm asking you to clarify. I'm not putting words in in your mouth. I'm Cotting, you to... Okay. I haven't. No, I would say. I think consistently at that tournament was probably my biggest catching tournament. Yeah. That's fair. That's the only thing I was going to get at. I mean, coming out to LA, it always brings out the stars and the talents. So safe to assume, you know, you got to play in LA more often. (laughs) Safe to say. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) I wasn't trying to put words in your mouth. I was just trying to clarify (laughs) what was said. Now don't try to put this on me now. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Don't worry. I know. Don't worry. I, I, I love a good uh, give and take. So <laughs> let's flash forward after the LA experience. Uh, we're preparing for Catcoon, sadly, the last Worlds. And um, before we knew that, that would be the last one. How was your training different from, let's say, Canada to LA versus LA to Mexico at that time? Like, what did you do differently in the offseason? Are you talking about my like individual training? Yeah, or individually, individually. 
So I actually like one question I got on my Instagram was my training, like off court training for dodgeball pre pandemic compared to what it is now post pandemic. And to be completely honest, I think the pandemic opened up a world of possibilities and opportunities for me in terms of off-court training. I think it's better to speak to this answer pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic because I think pre-pandemic, my training was very similar throughout those years that I represented Canada. Um, I might have tweaked a few things each year, but for the most part off-court, I was primarily prioritizing strength training, you know, progressively overloading every single week, getting as strong as I can. Did that translate to the court? In a lot of ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, no, at the same time. And I think at that time, I, you know, I was working a full-time job. I was working a few jobs um, at the time. So I didn't really have a lot of time to put towards off-court training. It was just more so a means of doing whatever my body felt right um, and just engaging in movement um, for my body and to maintain my endurance and my strength and all of that stuff. And I think when the pandemic hit, I really had a lot of time on my hands. I was out of work for a little bit to kind of put that extra time and focus on, okay, what type of movement styles, what type of exercises do I need to incorporate, to test, to trial, anything to kind of translate to dodgeball a little bit better than it has in my past. And I threw myself 100% in that process because that's something I've always wanted to really like go in depth with. And I think answering the question to my training now as in post pandemic world of a freaking difference, like I kid you not, it's all associated with athletic movement, athletic training, um, you know, explosive movements, I will get my verticals better like agility exercises to help with my lateral moving. Like it's very, very drill. It's very, very athletic development focused. And that's not something I was able to really incorporate a lot of pre-pandemic, mostly because of my experience. And I just didn't really know what to do. I didn't go to school for fitness or any type of like, I guess, career within the fitness industry. So a lot of what I knew and a lot of my knowledge came from my own experience. So it took me a little bit longer to kind of find those methods and find those movement styles that would best suit me, not only as a dodgeball player, but as an athlete overall. And I think being able to throw my knowledge, not only into what could physically exercise wise, movement wise, make a difference, but also mentally is huge here. Like, I think I've, put a lot of focus in really harnessing more mental strength because if I'm being completely honest when I look back at 2019 2018 worlds the, the one thing that really held me back was my mental strength and getting stuck in those moments of vulnerability and not being able to pull myself out of them and kind of really just getting ahead of myself and expecting so much of myself um, and that really can can take a toll on an athlete so I think my pre-pandemic pandemic training was very much strength training, getting strong as much as I can lifting as much as I can towards now it's very much body weight athletic style training, you know, sprinting, jumping, um, short bursts of energy, long bursts of energy, like it's very much dialed in on those aspects. Um, so I think and I think this is not just for me, I think for every athlete within dodgeball going back into next season, I think 
dodgeball entirely, you're, we are going to see a huge shift in the athletes in the game. And I'm so excited to see how, how far athletes have come and how far they're willing to go as well. And yeah, it's an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an in-depth answer there. Um, yeah, so, sorry. Sometimes I go on a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> hey, again, I, I make no apologies for how long this episode will be or how short it'll be. This is your story. So however long it is, as long as you put your stamp on it and you say, you know what, this is it. This is my story as given by me. If you're comfortable with that, then it gets shared. You know what I mean? Love it. So, yeah, I make no apologies for it. This is a three hour one. You guys signed up for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of mentioned it before, but I wanted to, uh, want to ask you, um, what sports did you uh, play growing up? And did either of them kind of translate to dodgeball for you? So my big sports were soccer and I danced competitively for 16 years as well. Um, I did both very competitively up until I was, I think, about 13. And then at that point, my parents were kind of like, okay, you are crazy. You need to choose just one. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I had chosen dance. So I pursued dance a little bit longer. And then soccer was more of me just kind of going back to it every so often, every other summer, whatever I felt like. I think, oh my God, like I think both sports heavily contributed to to dodgeball and a lot of people would say soccer is at the top of that list but I would love to argue and say actually I would put dance ahead of that you know and I'm not just talking physically dancing for 16 years competitively teaches anyone an unexplainable amount of discipline it is it is incredible the amount of discipline that I learned dancing all those years and I think discipline is a huge strength that I personally see in myself and it is translated so heavily to dodgeball training for dodgeball you know like putting in the amount of work I do off court and on court and you know because we're not always going to be motivated and discipline is going to be the one thing that keeps us going so I would definitely say dance in a lot of ways um, flexibility wise, mobility wise, like I had a pretty good foundation heading into dodgeball. So it did help range of movement as well. Um, soccer too, like I was a huge sprinter on my soccer team. Um, so like sprinting, running, like all that fast paced movements, lateral work being on my toes constantly, definitely translated as well. Um, but I think dance would probably be the one thing, even in, in terms of endurance, because one thing I do take a lot of pride in is consistency in myself. And a lot of dodgeball tournaments these days, especially the major and bigger ones, they extend over a few days. So as an athlete, if you're not consistent at your performance within those days you know that can make or break you it can make or break your team so I take pride in in being consistent over long periods of time and a lot of that I have to thank for dance you know for the endurance that I really took from from that sport entirely so I think both contribute of course immensely to dodgeball um and it's kind of cool because soccer you know is a lot of like lower body movements whereas dance is like pretty much all body movements so I had a pretty good foundation heading into dodgeball I will say uh what form of dance did you do 
Oh boy. Um, I did all <laughs> sorts. So I studied at a dance academy from the age of four to, I was there up until I believe I was 16. Within that as well, I went to an arts high school. So I auditioned for Cardinal Carter Academy for the Arts and I majored in dance there for four years. So at Carter, it was specifically ballet, modern, and once you got into the little bit of the older grades, that's when we kind of expanded into more Spanish styles, European styles, hip hop, all of that. But growing up training at my academy, like my club, I did hip hop, modern, contemporary ballet, jazz, tap, musical theater. I did honestly a whole wide range of styles. <laughs> the reason I asked is because um, this is, I mean, not to that extent. I also did ballet, but I did it for four years when I was younger. Wow, good you know, for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and the one thing like I, that I noticed, and this is something I learned um, from my mom who did judo. Um, the one thing about ballerinas, and obviously you can attest to it, I would not consider myself a ballerina compared to your experience, but um, <laughs> is they know how to fall. They fall so many times. It's almost like an expert, expert thing they can do. Um, mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, it's kind of like something you learn how to do before you do everything perfect. Mm-hmm. Now in judo, you're taught to throw people. You're taught to close quarters, grapple, put them down. And what one thing I noticed was that my footwork from ballet helped me out in judo because I was almost the tiny kid you couldn't throw down. Mm-hmm. So, and one thing I noticed about it in dodgeball, whenever I jump, I always land in a way where I can just sprint forward and not mm-hmm. have to worry about it because I did moves almost more dangerous than that when I was younger. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I actually, that's a perfect explanation of it too. Like just even the stability and the strength and stability that you get from ballet, from any dance in particular is insane. And you never really see how far that can translate to in your everyday life, let alone a sport until you actually try it. So I totally can speak on that as well. It's like, even just like my ankle stability, you know, like my knee stability, like little things like that. I mean, those aren't little things, but things like that, (laughs) that a lot of people take for granted or overlook in their training, like, it's it matters and it'll take you very far for sure yeah case in point um one of my favorite fighters of all time is actually someone who lives in your backyard uh george st pierre Mm -hmm. Uh, he he did he did ballet um in off-season training as well as gymnastics and that man is one of the best top three fighters of all time my my opinion so that right there speaks to it Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I don't know. If was one of my favorite videos ever, or it's, it's hilarious, is I forget who did it. I'm totally butchering it now. I feel bad. But it was a group of like high end football players taking a ballet class. And it was just so funny because they basically couldn't do anything, you know, and these, these are guys that play in the NFL and they come to one simple 45 minute ballet class that completely wipes them out. Um, So it's really cool to see that transition and like how different aspects of sport translate to another and how training in one sport can really help another sport. And I think dodgeball is a perfect example of that because I mean the athletes and the players and the organizers and everyone within the sport right now like again we are pioneers we're we are structuring we are formatting we are molding the sport into what it's going to be in the future and you know like there's so much to learn from that and I think 
being able to pull different components because dodgeball is a sport that has so many different aspects and skill sets from a wide range of other sports. So being able to pull those methods, those movements, those learnings from other sports and apply it to dodgeball, I think overall and athletically, like players and athletes in dodgeball are fucks, man. Like we're, we're yeah, we're nothing to joke about <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we're nothing to mess with. I'll tell you that much. Um, I could tell you that, especially at the high level. Um, growing up, I, I used to live in Detroit, and like we had the same. Like, you knew people who were OGs, and you knew people who were halfway crooks. And I could tell you this right now: ain't nobody, ain't nobody uh, halfway crooks in that level of dodgeball. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just showing you my, uh, my gritty side if it matters. But um, I love it. Keep it coming. <laughs> Hey, if it if it, it adds to the content, <laughs> by all means. So let's let's talk about um, role models. Uh, who were your role models growing up? Or I'm sorry, who were your role models growing up? And do you have any role models in dodgeball? This is a tough question because although I would love to answer and have one answer of one role model that really, really stuck with me growing up as a child, especially as a childhood athlete, I honestly really don't. And I think this this answer kind of stems into, I guess, what I kind of hope to see my legacy within the sport become. But growing up for me personally, I never really had... As a young female athlete, I never had a role model to look up to. And in a lot of ways that made me the athlete that I am today, but in a lot of ways that really like put up a lot of obstacles for me, you know, to not have someone, not even a coach, not even a mentor. And, and trust me, I played a lot of sports growing up. So to not being, to not be able to kind of think of that one person that inspired me and really helped, like, you know, in a lot of ways it seems sad, but I think this stems into the legacy that I would hope to leave behind, you know, like me at the age that I was and, and at the time that I was growing up as a female athlete, it's so important for young female girls, especially to have those role models, especially within sport that is, of course, very male dominated and very male, male superior. So I want to be that legacy for younger girls. And I want to, you know, show them that despite any hardships that they're going through or any obstacles that they're facing like they can go far you know and I think dodgeball is a perfect place for especially female role models to emerge from now because this is a sport that isn't super high up on a national level you know there are so many sports that are more popular more well more watched more talked about you know there always will be and to kind of be a leading female and dominant female in dodgeball and this type of sport right now I think has a stronger voice than being one at any other time and yeah I think I don't know I just think growing up I didn't have a specific role model. I think once I headed into dodgeball, a, one person that I did really look up to once I got into the sport was Jessica O'Quinn. Um, I actually play on Reckless with her right now. She is our captain and she's also the latest Women's Team Canada captain as well. She's always kind of been my dodgeball role model um, just because I admire her on a wide range of levels. Um, I long list. I could we definitely be here for three hours in that case if I were to talk about her but I think yeah I just think the legacy that I hope to leave behind is kind of filling that spot that I never got when I was a young female athlete and 
yeah, that's what I kind of hope to leave behind, I guess, within this sport. <laughs> so um, what's your name again? Uh, Jessica? <laughs> Jessica O'Quinn. Jessica O'Quinn is your dodgeball role model? Yeah, I would say she kind of always has been because even before I was, I played, I started playing in like the greater Toronto dodgeball community. And as a Humber Hawk, like she was the one female athlete that I really looked up to. Um, so I think, and ever since then, and even just getting to the point of being able to be on the same court as her and even call her a friend off the court too, is, is an incomplete, is a complete honor. Like, I don't think she really truly knows like how much I adore her. Um, but yeah, she's <laughs> definitely high up on my list for sure. Well, she, I mean, she'll definitely hear it when this airs. So, <laughs> <laughs> or at least she'll get an idea of it and then hit you up about it later. Who knows? <laughs> so there's this new question I've been asking and I tried it out with uh, Charlotte Josiah last year. So outside of role models in dodgeball and you already named one, is there any, uh, rival in the women's division, whether it be an individual woman or a team that you know that anytime you see them on your calendar, you have to gear up for and be on your A game for any woman out there or any team out there that challenges you to that extent. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking back to, of course, like pre pandemic days, because I haven't really played dodgeball since or being have been able to meet I guess the women that have walked into the sport since but one amazing talented woman that intimidates and I will say it intimidates the crap out of me when I play against her she'll never know it because I try my absolute hardest to not show it um is Savannah Burton um I know she played for the Canadian the National Canadian program a few years years ago um but and I actually haven't seen her in a very long time since 2019 but I remember if I were to think of someone at the top of my head that always intimidated me and that always gave me a run for my money it would definitely be her um, I played right wing at the time a lot and she always played left wing so we were always always across from each other and yeah she absolutely gave me a run for my money and I honestly thank her today for kind of giving me the strength to play the right corner as as strong as I hopefully look and feel that I do. Um, but she's definitely one person, I guess, on a Canadian level that that I highly respect and, and love playing against. I think on a national level, that's so hard. There are so many talented women that give me a run for my money. But I've, I'm looking at it in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I'll say I say I say this a million times. I'll say it again. The rivalry between USA and Canada is always so amazing. Um, <laughs> And I think playing against those girls, like, same thing. Like, we give, we both give each other a run for their money. Um, I remember my first year representing Canada, I guess, in 2017, Rachel Rodia on USA. She always, I guess, I could not take my eyes off her, let's just say. Like, she was always mm -hmm. making me watch her and making me, I guess, form my plays about against, form my plays how she was playing, if that makes sense. But she was yeah. definitely one person on the USA team that that really stuck out for me on a competitive level. Brenda Kramer as well. I mean, I've only really gotten to play against Brenda in 2019. That was the first year I, I got to play against her. But even then, like, amazing. All those girls are super talented. And, yeah, 
for sure, for sure, USA. Australia is really great too, because I feel like their passion and their grit is very similar to the Canadian ladies. We're very passionate when we play and it shows. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I think I love playing against passionate girls. Like it's always, it always is an amazing time. And, and the intense, the intensity is so high and I love that. So few few answers in that question there <laughs> that's fair I mean, I mean i told you to answer it the best way you can and as honestly as you can and you did just that so no no harm done there um yeah i would say there's something about australia and canada and this is just watching from my end as well that you guys have almost a similar gritty identity that actually you know I would I would never root for this to happen, but if the USA if the USA were to lose, I wouldn't mind watching one of you guys win it just because that gritty identity is something that I I'm always fond of seeing. Yeah, I know so, it's so fun to watch, and it would be cool too because I think we are always two of the teams that I mean I'll speak more so on Canada side versus Australia, but we're always one of the teams, especially on the women's side, that falls short. Um, so if anyone is hungry for that win, it's us. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I know everyone's hungry for that win, but I think if anyone whose passion will really like show, it's going to be Canada and, and Australia. So it'd be definitely cool to see, to see us get to that point where we're fighting for a top spot for sure. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> All right. Um, so before we get into the crowdsource questions, um, we're to ask you, um, do you have a pregame ritual before a tournament? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily say I have a ritual. I mean, I have a specific warm up that I do. I like to kind of get in my own zone, and that just really is a simple answer. It just entails some good music, a great playlist, um, a lot of Kanye, a lot of Jay Z. Um, <laughs> they're the ones that really hype me up, and yeah, just like get one in my warm up, become one with my warm up and, and movement and just prepare myself in that type of way. But I don't necessarily like have a specific ritual that I do every single before every single game. Well, you kind of answered my next question, but I want you to go into more detail. So <laughs> you said Kanye, you said Jay-Z, um, uh, any uh, particular tracks that get you going from those two? Oh God! Or more right. artists you want to listen to or bring up? I'm really exposing myself here, but okay. That's so the point. <laughs> I love this song, and Reckless will never agree that it's our song. But when I think of Reckless, I think of this song, and it's also something—a song that really pumps me up. And it's Clique by Kanye West. Um, I love listening to that song before we play, especially <laughs> as Reckless. Um, who else do I love? Eminem is a top favorite as well. I think rap, I don't know what it is. It just really gets me going. It just puts me in the mother zone where I just am ready to destroy. Um, so yeah, those are probably my top three artists for a All right. Okay. Um, I got to say something right quick. I know the song you're talking about with uh, Click, and I'm just going to say it now. Your, your team may, may hate me for this. I may get banned in Canada. But that should be anyone's uh, team song going forward. Um, right. <laughs> that, that right there. Let me tell you something, man. And let me tell you something. As someone who grew up in the in the in the ghettos and the hip hop culture and everything, I could tell you something about hip hop. 
that's ingrained in every note that you hear, especially the old school stuff. I'm not talking about this new skinny jean era stuff. I'm talking about the old school stuff here. Right. <laughs> There's something yeah. about it that hints at survival of the fittest. Oh like my God, me, totally. Like when you, when you listen to that song um, and, and I, maybe I'll post a link to the song or YouTube of it in the, in the comments when the song airs, it's invigorating, man. Mm-hmm. It, like that song is what 12 years old and it still hits i'm sorry yeah. it's still oh, yeah and like it doesn't even hit me as like a, like as individual player it like gets me hyped for my team as well because it's such like a team slash group focused song so i just love like listening to that because i'm like wow like i'm here for my clique like we're gonna get this done like no one's gonna come in in the way of that um, yeah. so it's a great track <laughs> why do they disagree with it no okay i wouldn't say they disagree with it i don't think i've ever actually vocalized it as our team song um we have a few but i mean i don't want to say those because those are a little bit inappropriate but (laughs) okay Um, off camera got it um (laughs) that's an off camera thing don't worry about it I'm, def- I'm definitely going to want to hear more about this. But I, right. definitely, I definitely think this should be the start of, like, teams actually having walkout songs. I think that would be so cool, like, while you're introducing a team, just to, like, play a freaking solid-ass track. Like, that'd be awesome. Oh, I'm down for it. I already got tracks already lined up, and my team are going to walk out to it whether they like it or not. Because um, <laughs> my playlist is literally all over the place, but we could talk about that later. <laughs> Um, let's get into the crowdsource questions. So I want to start off with a little nice one. This is from Hannah from Northern Ireland. Uh, well, this is a Hannah question because she always asks everybody, what are you grateful for today? Well, hello, Hannah. That is a lovely question. Um, it's actually very fitting at this time because in the last, I would say, months so not long at all i've actually been trying to incorporate more gratitude into my days um so today i actually had a nice one that i really liked i'll share it um i it's as simple as just being grateful for my body and the body that i have being able to move um the way that i'm able to move um and just like yeah being able to kind of like push my body to its full potential and I would say that's probably what I'm grateful for today. At least one of the things for sure. That's fair. Is that like the, the biggest thing you're grateful for? Or? I mean, every day it's different. I'm sure like every day I'll kind of choose something that'll, that hits me with that day. But I think today, yeah, I was just thinking about like, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Toronto is in a, yet another lockdown. Yeah, um, I heard. And we're kind of like, back into that limbo phase of we don't know what to expect or what's to come. And and in a lot of ways it gets, it's hitting a lot of people very hard mentally. And for me personally, and a lot of other people that I know not being able to do what makes us healthy as in going to the gym and moving our bodies is, is really hard. And so I think waking up today, the context behind that, I guess more so is just, you know, I have a body, I'm able to move freely. A lot of people can't, there are many people in this world that can't say that and I am healthy. Um, So just being able to kind of, you know, yeah, do that and live that way. Like I'm very grateful for. Okay. Um, Next question. And this is something that was actually pulled from you um, from another uh, listener or viewer. Do you see your role changing heading into next season? So I'm guessing they mean their your playing role. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a little broad. Do I see my role changing? I mean, that I don't really know. I'm not really sure if I can answer that answer that entirely. But do I want to see my role changing compared to last season or I guess in 2019? I think so. I think before up until 2019, I guess, even just looking at my role, not even on Reckless, but even on Team Canada as a whole, I'm very much a predominant right winger. And I don't really come out of that position a lot of the time. Um, That's just kind of been, you know, I hate to say it, but it was kind of just the position that I was kind of placed into, um, heading into like the competitive dodgeball community. Did I like it? Of course I did. Do I think it's where I should be? Not necessarily. Um, I definitely see my role, I guess, heading into next season. I do want to explore more of a middle style play, specifically middle with a ball. Um, I think I can bring a lot of value and a lot of asset to the team in that sense. Um, But yeah, just like working on being being strong in all areas on the court. You know, I don't, I don't want to just be stuck to a winger role. I want to play the middle sometimes, you know, I don't want to have a ball all the time. Um, So I think if I could choose to see where my role would progress or choose to see where I would like to see it progress would be to more of a middle player, I would say versus just the winger. All right. Fair enough. Um, Next question. This is something I wanted to, I wanted to throw in, in your playing career, what moments, injury related or not, nearly made you quit and how did you overcome it? Oh, that's a great question. So I don't know if I like haven't been playing long enough to really have a great answer for this. Um, But I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there was necessarily a time where I very much considered quitting entirely. I would, however, say that there have been a few moments where I've considered not necessarily walking away from the sport as an athlete, but more so shifting my role to be more of an off-court, I guess, contributor. So whether that be, you know, a fitness trainer for the athletes off-court or some sort of like some sort of role in player development off the court. I've definitely very much considered moving into some sort of role with that. So not necessarily walking away from the sport entirely, but more so just shifting my role. I very much considered. I've never thought that I'd be able to really balance the two together, which is why I never have attempted or explored both at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if I do eventually want to shift into a player development role or someone, I guess, who is contributes to that type of I guess, aspect of the sport, I could eventually fall into that. I think right now I just want to focus on, I've always just wanted to focus on being an athlete and improving my athletic ability within the sport. And then hopefully, or maybe eventually, you know, shift into a more, I guess, um, role off the court, more bigger role off the court. Okay. That's fair. Um, But you haven't had any like gnarly injuries, like, with extensive long rehabs or anything that would make you quit during the process? No. You've been lucky on that end? No, I have not. Like, I mean, I've had like s- smaller injuries, like dislocations of my fingers and like a few minor concussions. But in terms of actually like something that really has put me off of the core, no, I'm, I'm very grateful and very lucky <laughs> to be able yeah. to say that for sure. I can say we're all grateful for that for your sake and for everyone else. Um, 
Hannah's last question, if you could, and this is just a hypothetical, if you could play for any other international team, which one and why? Hannah with the juicy questions. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's funny, actually, because before the pandemic hit, I actually had plans to move out for an extended period of time to Australia, just because mm. I love I love the country. I've been there twice. And it's it's seriously one of my favorite places on earth that I've been to. So I definitely had plans to before COVID hit to move out there for an extended amount of time. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so I would say the best answer for that. I mean, did I moving out to Australia was never like dodgeball related by any means, but would I ever consider potentially playing with them? I mean, I'm sure that would have crossed my mind or maybe potentially <laughs> crossed my mind. Um, but again, going back to what I, what I spoke about Australia previously, I do think that they'd be an awesome group of girls to play with because I think they're very similar to us Canadian ladies in the sense that our passion shows very much um and yeah i love love playing with passionate people who who want it really bad like that's definitely a team um skill set that i look for um so yeah i'm gonna go with australia for that one but i feel like there are a lot of answers i don't know <laughs> well the, the that's the answer i thought you would have picked based on what we talked about earlier yeah. um just similar identity similar grit and you've been there twice already so it was just par for the course if you're going to be there long enough to at least give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I will um, say, though, Canada is where my heart is and where all it will always be. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm not trying to draw no controversy in saying that that's what you said. This is a hypothetical. <laughs> if, if anyone had an issue with that, then they're, they're not paying attention to the whole picture. Um, so safe to assume you've definitely been a solid guest. You kicked off 2022 in an epic way, and I can honestly say that, and I'm sure the listeners will too. But I want to ask you, um, I know you kind of touched on it before, but what would you what would you like your legacy to be once you leave the sport? Um, I would say long story short, just a pioneer in the sport itself. I think I've really been trying to to kind of navigate the way athletes should be training or should want to be training off the court I've been really trying to kind of push it in a direction and help grow the sport in that direction so I just honestly I would love nothing more just to have been a female role model for a lot of women in this sport and kind of push the boundaries in women and sport as a whole Um, because that's one thing that I never got when I was younger and that's one thing that I know would have made a difference in in my life as a child growing up and as a female athlete growing up as well Um, so yeah I think so there are so many people within this sport now who are kind of joining that movement and joining the shift of where we want to see the sport which is so exciting it's so inspiring Um, and I just yeah I want to keep that momentum going and hopefully go down and as as go down as I go down, inspire a lot of females and women to step up, and whether that be to play or just to kind of be a part of the sport um, on their own. I can definitely say that as soon as people hear this, it'll definitely spark more of a movement for women to participate in the sport. And I can honestly say I'm willing to bet as much as anyone wants to bet against it that I'm betting on your on your behalf that you will leave a lasting remark. 
oh, as you wow. left one with me. Um, I can honestly say as a pioneer in dodgeball and, you know, with some uh, fitness influence, you're definitely helping people. Um, some of your content I've noticed has been very effective in the way I've implemented it in my training. Granted, we haven't played really any competitive tournaments in Los Angeles, but that's beside the point. Uh, but it definitely makes me feel geared up and ready to go. So, um, well, I love that. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah. I can honestly say you're more, you're, yeah, you're not only a female role model, but you are a role model and that should be respected. Thank you. Yeah. I think too, like, I just think there's even just looking back at 2019 and even prior to that, like the perception that women have in this sport, at least in the Toronto community is it's not rarely it's not very much like a very girl supporting girl community. And I hate to say that. I just want to be completely honest from what I gathered. You don't really see a lot of women supporting women in this sport in Toronto. And I've, you know, part, a lot of that deals with the perception that even reckless had in 2019. Um, You know, a lot of girls were intimidated, even as us as a team, they thought we were very closed off. We weren't very approachable. And hearing that, of course, or knowing that that's how like other women felt around us, like I kind of like threw a, or I guess lit a fire even more under my ass because, you know, women shouldn't feel like they're not, when women shouldn't feel like they're not supported, especially in this type of sport. And I do hope that our competitive mindset as female athletes is not seen as a means of being negative or a means of putting anyone down or a means of we want to beat you because we want to win against you, but more so as, you know, like strong women fighting for what they want and fighting for their names and their, their name, their group, or sorry, their team. And yeah, just kind of shifting that narrative to, to be more about women supporting women and showing other girls in this sport, especially in Toronto that like, you know, come like, let's play, let's be competitive. Let's, let's get passionate, you know, let's, this, this is a sport that we all want to see go into a certain direction. And the athletes are a huge part of that. You know, the competitive, competitive mindset behind each athlete is a huge part of that. So if women don't feel supportive or don't feel accepted in this sport, you know, that defeats the purpose of that all. So I hope that and even any woman listening, like if you feel lost in the sport or don't know where to start or don't know who to lean on, like feel free to reach out to me. Um, in any in any way or any of the reckless ladies for that matter i'm sure we'll be happy to help for sure and with that i know um hopefully this happens before the, the end of your playing career but i know by the end of your playing career that narrative will drastically change yeah You're definitely a very so. welcoming and- competitive person and people will understand that for sure. And there, there are also so many women around the world and in other countries that are, that are helping with this narrative too. Like Brenda Kramer is a huge one. Like she's so inspiring. I love watching her. Um, but she's another person and that is another woman, sorry, in the, in the community that is just, you know, really paving the way for other female athletes. So I think we're all contributing a great amount and, as long as they know that dodgeball is a place to, you know, like push yourselves, push your boundaries and experience, you know, a world of the sport. Like 
I think I think we'll be good moving forward. We'll. Well, def- definitely, definitely, and I would honestly say you're a major contributor to that, and that's what your legacy will be overall. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. So, um, before we wrap up, uh, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give to anyone? Um, I have a big shout out. I want to do a nice big fat shout out to Victor Gravilli. I know he just announced that he was stepping down recently from the national program as a whole. Victor has been someone that really without him, I would not be in the sport today. Um, he's been by my side for so many years on the court, off the court. And I just think tributing him and just saying thanks to him is very much needed, even though I can't explain how, um, how much he's done for me, but yeah, I would definitely give a huge shout out to Victor because he's paved the way for not only me, but so many other athletes, um, female included. So he's a big shout out of mine for sure. (laughs) And with that, we'll wrap (laughs) up. All right, and that was my interview with Lisa Mora. Lisa, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story. Um, safe to assume that it goes without question that she was a solid guest to kick off the new year. Happy New Year to everyone there. I wanted to elaborate on what I felt her legacy would be. Uh, her legacy is playing and admin, whatever, she, whatever field she likes to choose. Oh, uh, almost lost myself. Uh, whatever field she likes to choose, I definitely believe she'll make a lasting impact for not just women in the Toronto area, but women in the world, uh, as far as dodgeball players are concerned. Um, she'll definitely be an icon once it's over with. So I wish her many luck and I'll continuously refer as someone who I can honestly say we become really tight over the interview and uh, and even after recording. She's definitely a gangster and one to be respected. So um, <laughs> if you've listened up until this point, thanks so much and I'll uh, I'll announce my next guest shortly. Have a wonderful day.